Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Welcome back, everyone. I am Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And I'm Z. And this week, your away team is uh, continuing our march through the uh, first season of the original series. We're nearing the end, by golly. <laughs> Getting there. Well, last episode, I'm with fam. Now I'm with golly. I am all over the map. This week, I think we'll... it's pretty nifty. <laughs> Thanks, friend. <laughs> Anytime, uh, pal. You bet. <laughs> Watching way too much 60s television. <laughs> Uh, this week we're discussing a taste of Armageddon, or honestly, why do we program computers this like, like this? <laughs> and this side of paradise, or but them spores, though. <laughs> That's all in a book. <laughs> I guess first we'll kind of focus on a taste of Armageddon. What do we think, folks? On <laughs> um, Taste of Armageddon? Taste of Armageddon. Um, I honestly don't really remember it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that you say that neither did i and i know i've had to have watched it at least half a dozen times over the last several years so much so that when the council shows up i was like oh they're klingons because they kind of had similar haircuts and facial hair to what the klingons will have here no, in klingons. a couple of episodes and i'm like and, and laura looks at me like are they and i'm like maybe they're not <laughs> so i i had astonishingly little memory of this episode going in yeah my my Big take from this is that the people in the 60s were both fascinated by computers and terrified of them. And this whole thing could have been avoided had, you know, they fast forwarded to the 80s to watch the movie War Games. <laughs> I mean, when I say I liked it, it's kind of like, ah, on a scale of like one to 10, you know, 10, you loved it and you want to name your child after it. And one to be like, I hated it. I want to throw it in the garbage. This is like a four. So like it's in the okay territory. This one had a lot more a hard sci-fi element to it of yeah. what happens to a society with significant levels of technology, how will it affect things that historically have been very brutal, like war? And it discusses it, I think, in like a kind of clumsy, but not, not honestly, not too clumsy. I mean, especially considering that, like, in context, this was the late 60s. It's like, all right, they're exploring these topics of like, what does war look like when you can computerize it? And there were some really good lines in here yeah. the one from the the what's her she's in blue she's the blonde lady and she's wearing yeah. blue she's one of the people and she's saying that war doesn't just affect people it affects the land like when when things are bombed like it destroys the land and nature and it destroys cultures and and society and stuff like that like a war affects more than just the individual life so like her defense was that this is a much like cleaner saner way like we can have our war people humans can have their war and it only really affects them and it doesn't mm. like poison the rest of the environment um and that's a good point and then and then kirk comes around with some amazing points about like war is awful and it's supposed to be awful as literally a way to keep people from constantly doing it 
right. it's supposed to be bad as a deterrent so people don't want to do it um and like those were such very good points that honestly needs to be said more often <laughs> in today's society right and, like, and it- they're saying it in the 60s <laughs> Right, and they were saying it as the Vietnam War was really starting to become uh, an unraveling situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was ex- exceptionally prescient for, for that time. And I, 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 I struggled with this only because I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to subscribe to the view that war is just inevit- inevitable. It's just mm-hmm. a part of being human. Like... I feel like so many things kind of trend towards um, oh, in yeah. literature and movies and TV. Like everything is like, oh, humans tend towards conflict. It's mm-hmm. it's the reason why I got bored with things like The Walking Dead, because every time they found another group of humans, it was like, we must kill them. It always happens. And so I don't tend, I don't like that worldview, but like mm-hmm. I it does kind of make you confront, wait, maybe we are, maybe that is what humans are all about. But I couldn't help watch this and be like, couldn't you guys have like invented your own version of the Olympics or something and just had like bragging rights instead of killing each other? Or, you know, play chess. (laughs) Like there's a lot of options you had besides, oh, let's just wage computer war. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, yeah, like you bring up the Olympics. It's like, yeah, humans fight. Kirk has that line that actually, okay, I really like, it's corny as hell, but I really like it. The whole like, yes, we're killers, but we tell ourselves, we just won't kill today. We yeah. just gotta make it one day at a time. We're in Killers Anonymous, you know? <laughs> we just won't kill today. And, and I really like it. But like, yeah, like also historically, at least for the people of Earth, we have come up with lots of different ways to avoid that kind of conflict. Like, yeah, maybe the urge is there. To be like, y'all are on my last nerve. I'm just going to smack somebody. But it's like, mm, wait, take a step back. We are constantly coming up with ways to avoid war. Yeah. Um, and that that is almost just a part of ourselves as the urge to be violent is, is, is ways to urge to temper our violence. Um, so, yeah, I, I get where, yeah. It's kind of like, man, I would just like to see something where two people come together and then they're like, <gasps> Wait, let's work together. Yeah, I know. Let's let's build a farm together and you know have a happy life and just maybe fend off the the enemy every once in a while. But we're not each other's enemy. Yeah, and to and especially like um as a tangent, especially with something as unifying as the zombies in The Walking Dead, you Mm -hmm. would think that people would be like, at least we're not zombies. I'd be like, look at these guys over here. We're going to build ourselves an awesome farm. Y'all can go eat each other's brains. Okay, bye. Right, right. And it's, yeah, it gets a little ridiculous, but I, I, no, I do like your point of finding something that maybe doesn't completely destroy culture in a, you know. Yeah, yeah. In a terrible yeah. way. But after, but they talk about this, like this has been going on for what, what did they say, 500 years? And you, you're wondering, did nobody think of a better way in 500 years? Like, did nobody stop and question it? Or did we just nobody, put those people in a disintegrator? <laughs> right. Like, did nobody pick up a damn phone call and be like, look, this is getting kind of out of hand. You think maybe we could be like, <laughs> they, all right. Did you about Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're 
kind of done with this disintegrator thing. Um, tell you what. All right. Let's let's uh let's redraw some political boundaries here and just call it a day. Okay, bye. Plus, you gotta wonder, like, how do they still have a population if they're killing people in such huge numbers right. every once in a while for five hundred years? How are you still alive? They want they're losing three million people a year. Yeah. I'm like, that's a huge number. Like that's and- a gigantic amount. And I suddenly want to know more about, like, are, do you have rules about, like, are, do you put babies in the disintegration chamber? Because babies would die in a real war. Or is it only people of certain ages? Like, like there's so much yeah. more I want to know about this. <laughs> it seems to be location-based. Which also, yeah. is, is like, how is that not destroying your society and culture? Because yeah. if you're like, oh, this town got bombed and everybody died, be like, you just lost that entire town's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is... <laughs> Period. A lot of depth here that we need to go into. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like from a show perspective, this is a a piece of media that we're consuming. Yeah, that has it has some pretty classic sci-fi elements. Um, it's actually it has the most classic sci-fi element in terms of man wrestling with technology, which is literally the birth of sci-fi of Frankenstein is is back then that was the whole man wrestling with the idea of will science be able to kill God (laughs) that's the entire (laughs) book's point and here we are with kind of the same thing will technology completely eradicate or or not eradicate but like well this is how we're gonna commit war now it's just all gonna be digitalized and and computerized it's very sci-fi yeah yeah, it would have made a good Twilight Zone. I mean, and that, that yes. tends to be with some of the wobblier episodes. Like, oh, this would have made a good Twilight Zone episode. It's about the nicest <laughs> thing you can say about some yeah. of them. <laughs> like, they took a Twilight Zone episode and they shoved Kirk into it. Right. And, of <laughs> like, course, it, this tornado wrecked the place now. <laughs> hey, this is the second episode in the last th- four, three episodes where Kirk resolves the situation by blowing up a computer. <laughs> A computer that is exclusively responsible for running a civilization. (laughs) He found out it works the first time. Right. um, And it's like a Pavlovian response now. He sees a computer, he's going to shoot it. Unless it's the Enterprise. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) what if he has a deal with his ship where he says, if I ever find another computer or another electronic being that tempts me, I'll kill her. And that's how I'm going to prove to you that I love you more than any other kid. Aww. This Aww. is like a, a weird, abusive situation of love. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> it's codependent as fuck between these <laughs> two. <laughs> because one of them will end up killing the other. Yeah. Ooh. So you can't say that, Matt, because I haven't seen all of this, so I don't know what happens to Kirk and Spock <laughs> at the end. I just assume that they get married and live happy lives with the ship as like a weird like third wheel. Like I don't know what happens, so you can't just say stuff like that. <laughs> Eris, I think to your point, actually, it, it, it brings up something for me uh, kind of near the very end in my notes. I just wrote, so the Enterprise is a Death Star because Kirk's just bragging about how he can just blow up the whole planet with his ship. And I don't think they have the fire, firepower for that. Was this just, an, they, and they never explain it, but was this just like an inside joke or inside knowledge that him and Scotty had? Like, I'm going to say, what was it, General Order 24 or whatever? Like, that's just code for let's make this up or, you know, like, was it an understanding? or 
but they never explain, does the ship have that kind of capability and we just don't use it? Would they actually have followed through with that if these guys had not done what Kirk was telling them to do? It's fascinating to think about that now. Like, did they have, did they actually have that capability? Could they actually have used it that way? Yeah, I don't know. Because like, they don't say. Yeah, they don't. I was interpreting it as, as like, they can fuck up a place, but maybe not completely annihilate it. Yeah. And, like, like General 24 could have could have been a real order, but it could have been, like, you know, maintain orbit. <laughs> you right. know, but, like, right. it sounds ominous. That's how I interpret it, but they don't say. They don't, yeah. they don't reveal that, that ever. I did, however, interpret when he's, when Kirk is, like, being held captive, captive in the um anon sevens quarters and anon uh, whatever he's like are you gonna blow me up with your ship and kirk is like i don't need my ship just me i can ruin your planet i was taking it to be just me me as kirk living tornado (laughs) i got a gun and i got a club let me fuck some shit up like that's (laughs) that's how i was interpreting it because and then i like and i was laughing like haha kirk you're Maybe you're not full of yourself. You've done some damage to some planets before. Like, maybe you know, like, man, I can fuck this place up. They are not expecting me at all. (laughs) Hello, aliens. I've come to dismantle your society and then leave. (laughs) Yes. He's done it before. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. He's got recent knowledge of how to do this. (laughs) Well, and Kirk even said it at one point to the lady, like, we'll try to take it easy, but if we're forced to kill, dot, 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 I'm like, wow, is this what you think of with diplomatic relations, according to Kirk? Right, yeah, oh my, Scotty's lying. You know, his little comment, uh, Scott, Scotty's comment of the only kind of diplomat di- diplomacy I need is a, a full phaser bank or whatever. I'm just like, <laughs> Scotty, I was, I literally just wrote the note. I like it when Scotty takes over the ship. Don't ruin <laughs> this for me now. Yeah, I'm glad you brought out Scotty because Scotty was definitely very like. He was extra Scotty this was week. He was extra, yeah. but like he, he was like, he knew in five seconds that was not Kirk on the phone with him he was like oh no 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 that's not him like oh i was talking about he was being extra scottish like Mm -hmm. yeah like have a bunny trip (laughs) oh that (laughs) is in the fire now (laughs) okay that was i like that line that was very good we get it (laughs) (laughs) you're scottish but also yeah um the one i think we had kind of mentioned this before because we've had a couple of people in charge of the ship now at this point i do like it when scotty's in charge generally except what he says incredibly warmongering type things he is very by the book like he's absolutely like no here are the hard and fast numbers here's the rules and regulations no we are not doing this where all the other ones are a little bit more like "Mm, gray area i trust scotty to be the one who goes nope starfleet regulations say this so yeah he's an engineer yeah Uh, yeah yeah yeah, exactly exactly it fits his character it works and also like it in a way, it explains the whole uh, Captain Kirk, like how he knew immediately that it wasn't Kirk, because he was like, Kirk would never give that order because that order is against regulation. So clearly, clo- Kirk is a clone. Yeah, and of course, the computer said it was a 98% probability that it wasn't Kirk's voice, which at the time I wrote, so I guess the decision desk is going to make us wait for like a week to hear back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. joke has not aged well in about three or four hours. <laughs> oh, that hurts me. <laughs> I felt that in my gut. <laughs> uh, 
Because you gotta be 99.5% sure or fascism wins. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm gonna go hide my bed. It does make me feel good. The Enterprise crew is actually really good at their jobs. And I'm also a little bit amazed, or maybe not amazed, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but like it's it's nice to see that the the writers and the producers and people are are making not just some fantastical, you know, space show. They're actually making a show with people who know what they're doing and they're, you know, good at their jobs and they're smart yeah. except for Kirk and his tornado personality. But yeah. I- for the most part, everyone else is doing great. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a ship of professionals run by the dumbest cowboy <laughs> the Yeah, that's the one thing that I um I really do appreciate that a lot of the times the person holding the um in the writer world we call it the idiot bomb. Um <laughs> it's almost always the NPCs who are holding the idiot bomb. In this case, it was the ambassador who was like, I'm Robert Fox and I get to give the orders on this ship for this episode. And like, he's carrying the idiot bomb for most of this episode. It's not Scotty. It's not like, oh no, Scotty's in charge. He's not even second in command. Nope, he knows exactly what he's doing. He, he's perfectly professional the whole time. And it's this ambassador dude that we'll probably never see again. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> they just left him on that planet. <laughs> they leave a lot of people on a lot of planets. And sometimes it comes to bite him in the ass, but not this guy. This guy we won't hear from again. Hooray! It's not Star Trek Three: The Wrath of that one guy with the weird collar. <laughs> uh, we are running up against commercial break. Anybody got anything else on a taste of Armageddon? Z, you've been kind of quiet. You got anything? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have was, I have a couple. Oh no, go ahead. I was just say it was it was an okay episode. Like I literally forgot it until like five minutes into what we were talking. I was like, oh shit, what what was he even about? I don't even I don't even remember. What was he? Oh, okay, no, I remember. <laughs> I, I found it kind of charming that I had completely forgotten it because it was like I got a whole new original series episode without <laughs> having to resurrect several dead people. A, I appreciate that Spock and the ambassador near the end of the episode were like willing to put in the effort to work through the issue, even though the ambassador had been kind of the dumbass the whole time. But also, Spock is like actively telepathic in this episode. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Manipulating people through walls and shit. Right. And using being Vulcanian. This... They haven't yeah. settled on Vulcan yet. <laughs> He's using the, 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 the mind meld technique that is ultimately attributed to Vulcans, but it's, I think, the first and only only time it can go through walls. <laughs> yeah, that seems like something they walk back later. They're like, oh, we gave him too much power. <laughs> much, too much. But he could only use it that one time. He couldn't use it on the the chancellor or whatever of the planet to get him to just chill. Right? Also, I will say, like, I'm glad they walk it back. Man, if they just pop down to any planet, be like, I don't like what you're saying. Spock? He's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you love puppies and nothing else. Okay, here we go. <laughs> That's why they make good ambassadors and diplomats. He's, you know, he'll just be like, nope, stop the war. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> I do kind of like how the ambassador is like horrified and angry the entire time. But at the very end, he's like, oh, I know how to do this part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I do <laughs> I can do my job. The thing I was trained for. <laughs> Hooray. That's about all I have to say about this episode. Let's then move on to commercial break. Do you have a war that's been going on for over 500 years? Well, call Mr. Spock. He'll telepathically convince your world leaders that war is dumb. 
and you don't need to do it anymore. Warning, Spock may find logic in your horrible war scenario. Oh, right. I forgot about that part. Commercial. Commercials. Commercial, commercial, commercial. We all have our own theme song. Well, we'd encourage you to vote, but that part's over now. <laughs> Register to vote if you're not, you know, yeah. if, if you haven't already. Uh, figure out what you need to do in order to get registered. Figure out and check it semi-regularly to make sure that they haven't purged your name and uh, to get re-registered as soon as possible as soon as you notice that happens because you know it's not just the big elections it's uh, it's all of them it's you know vote for your city councilors vote for your mayor yes. um, gotta it's gotta start local elections work. are important too we, yeah. we live in a red state here uh, the the presidential race was not contested in any meaningful way no they called it for Trump like five seconds after, after the polls, the polls closed, yeah. closed. Yeah. Twenty yeah. um, percent uh, of the votes in, they're like, we're done. <laughs> uh, personally, our city councilor, who was very pro mask mandate, mm -hmm. and our state rep, who was a Democrat, uh, we we had signs out for them in our yard, and we voted for them, and they won. So yeah. you can make an impact even if it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And if you live in Georgia, you can still make a huge impact by voting in the Senate runoff elections coming up soon. Yes. Mm -hmm. On that note. Stacey Abrams. Yes. Whatever yeah. I, whatever Stacey Abrams wants, let's let's give it to her. She <laughs> would make Yeah. <laughs> buy yeah. buy Selena Montgomery's books. Because that's also Stacey Abrams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know I am. In fact, keep talking about uh, messages of social enlightenment. I may be buying that right now. <laughs> yeah. Water is life. Yeah. Where keep going. Yeah. Cause that matters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Black lives matter. Yeah. Don't drink and drive. Yes. Yeah. Don't text and drive. Yeah. Speaking of voting, vote uh to for people to put in more public transportation options. Oh you know, yeah. carpool. Carpool. Yeah. You know, yeah. as much as you can. Mother nature, she's she's really not liking the cars. Uh, <laughs> we can try to limit those. Do what you can. <laughs> It's weird that we can now glimpse a future where we can focus our attention on those other causes. We've been so singular, like, oh my God, everything's on fire for so long that I don't remember what it's like to care about things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> Wear your mask. Yes. Yes. Nose and mouth. Nose and mouth. If it can tuck up underneath your chin, that's good. Yes. Is that keeps it safer for everyone else around you. Yeah. If this was not written by Stacey Abrams, I would not have bought it, but I'm buying it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, if you don't like it, you can probably just give it to me. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you can give it to me. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I just bought some Selena Montgomery books. <laughs> yeah. Anything else on messages of social enlightenment? Uh, yeah, stay involved in the political process. Yeah, because yeah. Now that we may have uh, some measure of accountability in our leadership, hold them accountable. Oh, I got one. Yeah. Okay. If you've been looking for a sign, this is your sign. Go back to school. Yes. Yeah. I like that one. That one's good. If you enjoy listening to us, you can also check out As the Myth Turns with your cultural interns. Eris. And Z. Interns because we're not professionals. And we're not getting paid. 
They air shows on weeks that we're off. And as I've said on the last few episodes, I start forgetting what to say at that point. But they're really, really great. Thanks. Yeah, we do a mythology and literature-based podcast where we uh, talk about fairy tales. That's what's up. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) It is what's up. It is what's up, but I, I, should I be the one saying that? Sure. Sure. Good. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I, I did. It happened. It, 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 what happened was. <laughs> hey, hey. That's my line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. <laughs> you'll be able to find them on partyapocalypse.com along with the fourth wall, various books movie reviews, blogs, and other things coming to the site in the new year. Partyapocalypse.com. Again, go there. Uh, You can buy some of my books there. But remember, buy Stacey Abrams' books because she turned (laughs) Georgia blue, and I just host a Star Trek podcast. Then come buy mine. Here, here. (laughs) Yeah. Eris, you have a YouTube channel. Oh, I do have a YouTube channel. Yeah, you can find me at Aris O'Reilly. It's all one word. There's no punctuation. Just smoosh it all together. That's my username. Um, I do a Let's Play YouTube uh, for now. Uh, Plans are in the works to have more type of uh, different content. For right now, we're just doing Let's Play video games. I've got two series that I'm running, which is uh, Let's Play Skyrim, where I've modded the hell out of it, and I've turned it into The Legend of Zelda. And then... uh, there's also the series where my boyfriend plays Darkest Dungeon, um, and I watch horrified at this Lovecraftian horror that is very stressful. It's a good game. I am stressed out about all the decisions that's, that are made <laughs> in this game, so apparently it's, it's pretty funny. Those go up uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, so check it out. Z, you have one of them ticky talks that the kids are all into. Yeah. You can check out my TikTok at Oslidoti, uh, A-S-E-L-I-D-O-D-I. Uh, I do fandom stuff and weird story times, and I usually follow that. Uh, with that, I do believe we are done with our plugs and our messages of social enlightenment, and we will return back to our episode. Back to the episode, back to the episode. We're, we're trying something. We're... Are we? <laughs> we are trying <laughs> them. Oh, okay. I guess we're trying. <laughs> I said we're trying things. Yes, we're trying them. I don't know if they're successful or not. They are. We know this. We know this. <laughs> and so anything else about A Taste of Armageddon? I think we pretty much wrapped that one up before we went to our commercial break. Uh, so we'll move on to this side of paradise, which I have more notes on, but they're most mostly just dunking on the episode. This is a weird one. This is a weird yeah, one. Yeah, I, I kind of checked out and it never got me back. Typically, I have a lot of notes per episode, but this one, I think I have like five bullet points and that's all i wrote <laughs> yeah i wrote fungi and sex pollen real real big <laughs> i'm actually pretty sure it's star trek that started sex pollen in fandom so i'm i'm glad to see the originating episode of that you are seeing a lot of patient zeros for tropes in the show which is to its <laughs> really yeah, yeah yeah no this 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 is the uh, thing that launched a thousand tropes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I just want to say they literally set up this episode as, oh, look at these like incredibly harmful UV, I mean, Berthold rays. And then they're like, but we're going to go down to the planet because like even though it destroys human tissue, if exposed long enough, 
It should be okay if we do it in, in small doses. And there's no protective gear. Mm -mm. Just yeah. like run around wearing t-shirts. Not wearing a mask and there's things in the air. <laughs> right. They're like, right, 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 get it together. <laughs> the Sorry. tan means my skin is dying. <laughs> At first, Spock is like, oh, a, short, a small exposure should be fine for us. And then later he revised it to say, oh, we'd be good for a week. <laughs> but still there's no protective gear and i'm like even if a small exposure is fine you wear protective gear in any <laughs> other star trek series there would have been like a cream that the doctor would have insisted everyone put on yeah or like, better put on your sunscreen or something but no we, we don't get any of that <laughs> uh, yeah. the doctor not actually a doctor. We've already established he's a space psychiatrist. Yeah, but he doesn't actually have a medical degree. That is, he's a psychology degree. <laughs> bones, not a doctor. Yes, poor bones is isn't markedly different from regular bones. <laughs> he's just he got just a thicker accent. <laughs> he, he just talks slower. Yeah, he went and old. Obsessed with mint juleps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is this the second time he's mentioned mint julep? Yeah, I think he mentioned it before. Yeah. Is he from Georgia? Is the character from Georgia? Is that like the joke here? Yeah, I mean I I mean he's supposed to be clearly southern. I think yes that I can't remember if it's established in firmly canon that he is from Georgia. Established in canon now, that's for sure. I think he was probably established to be born in uh uh, I like the slow talking Georgia. while you're trying to look this up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I did like how in the beginning um, we got a nice surprise with the romantic close-up and then it goes to Spock. And right. that was yes. not you were expecting to have a romantic close-up. <laughs> yes. I, I was actually like into that. I was like, Spock gets late this episode. Woo! <laughs> Yeah. Everyone else gets love but Spock. And then now it's Spock's time to get love. And I'm so excited. And if you want to interpret Kirk's facial expressions in a scene where he's like hanging out with his ship, he might have gotten laid too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he's trying to snap out of it and he's at the transporter console and he's getting mad. Yeah. He had a, a happy moment there, for <laughs> lack of a better term. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a bit of the... the uh, the 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 small death, as the French call it. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite about that, but about that uh, scene. I feel like they try to establish after the fact that somebody has to beam you down or up, like somebody has to be there to work the controls. You can set it on a timer. You can, oh okay. I was like, how did everyone else leave? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, what? Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah, because he he says the because uh, uh, when he's like when he tricks Spock to come back up, he's just like, but if I leave, we won't be able to come back up. So you know, let's go ahead and get everything off the ship that we need now. And Spock's like, sounds legit. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I think that Spock on spores is not the most logical being. Yeah, no. Doctor Leonard McCoy, the, the Admiral. Leonard H. McCoy, M.D., what? was a pale human Starfleet officer of the 23rd and 24th century and was born in Georgia, USA, Earth, in 2227. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so the, the turn in the story, which is also dovetailing into that transporter room scene. So let me get this straight. The spores make you happy. 
mm-hmm. until you're not, and then they don't anymore. <laughs> yep. Okay, got it. Just want to make sure I I understood the score. <laughs> Did the people who brought the flowers up to the ship were they already spored? Or did they just not follow quarantine measures whatsoever? That's a good question. I Because I, I feel like everyone immediately gets spored on the ship. And like, isn't there training to tell you how not to do this? It was hanging out on the ship. It was, yeah. it was in the bridge. It was just like, wait, it was muppeting its way over the uh, helm console. <laughs> And it's like, okay, maybe if it was like, you know, because I'm just like flashing back to like John Carpenter's The Thing, mm. where, you know, like, okay, if they've been all pod personified, and they're just like, yeah, I'm bringing the flowers to quarantine, you want to take a sniff? And then just like spores people as he's walking by. All right, cool, I'm okay with that, you know? But if it's just like, they're all in their right minds, and they're like, better bring these these flowers up onto the ship and just leave them out willy-nilly because we don't know what kind of diseases they carry. (laughs) There are quarantine measures. There have been quarantine measures, not just for sci-fi futuristic stuff, but like now there's quarantine measures of when you bring stuff into different countries. They make you declare it at customs for (laughs) this reason. (laughs) Yeah, I'm beginning well, to think that biologist dude that went down with him is just not very good at his job. Well, he's hired by McCoy. He's part of the medical, you know, sciences <laughs> department. He's like, he's just somebody Bones like to drink with. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, he makes a fine mint julep. He is a biologist. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bartender, sir. Yep, <laughs> biologist. What I said, bartender. <laughs> biologist. Getting you a job, man, okay? It comes with a really sick pension. <laughs> What's a pension? We don't have money. Never mind. Where I lost it for this episode was when the spore just pops up on the bridge and like blasts him in the face. I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) And it's just like confetti. It's a parade. (laughs) But he went this whole time going like, oh, so I'm immune to this, but I don't know why. And then he's not immune to it anymore? What what, what just happened? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, was the first time he got sport, he, like, didn't get enough? They forgot they filmed that part. <laughs> had, had, had they been wearing masks, everything would have been fine. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that comment there. <laughs> so my, my person was walking through while I was watching this episode. And he happened to be walking through when Kirk gets, gets spored. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, it's it's the spore from the plant. It like it makes people like horny or whatever. And he goes, is it like like freeze-dried ejaculate? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> that would explain a lot. Kirk got his wish. He he and the ship were finally alone. Yes. Take advantage of it. I don't know, maybe he did. Yeah, there is. We don't know how long he was up there. I mean, it seemed like like Spock was just sort of like, man, you're taking a long time to pack. And he's just like, I'll be down in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Call you later, Mom. Okay, bye. Don't come in here. I'm making my bed. This episode was really fun to rag on. This also was like a really sad one for Spock. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, you know how you know you know how I feel about Spock. <laughs> so I'm just sort of like, oh, I'm so happy that he gets to have like this kind of episode where. You know, also, like, Leonard Nimoy just gets to explore the character more. Then Ed's so sad. And yeah. then, and then she's... Note, yeah. 
Yeah, and he's just like, it was the only time I was ever happy. And you're like, oh my god, let's just go back inside, tears. And then the Layla person is just like, do you have any other name other than Mr. Spock? And, and I'm just like, it's Richard. <laughs> like, like, she doesn't even know his name. Then, then he does this whole, like, you know, you wouldn't be able to pronounce it. And I was like, bitch, try me. <laughs> like, I want to know your name. Tell me your name, Mr. Spock. I need to know. Like, I, it feels okay. weird. But it's probably Ashley, but like L-E-I-G-H. So that everybody thinks it's Ashley. And that's why yeah. he says you would be able to pronounce it. Uh, all right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ashley Spock, got it. Y'all want to know his full name? Yes, please. Yeah. Actually, it's, I really do. It's never actually addressed in on screen, so it's but it's in books and stuff. Uh, it's it, Spock is the last sequential name. It's not like a family name, obviously, but it's Sachin Tagai Spock. I, I'm probably not pronouncing it right because he said we couldn't pronounce it. I mean, we've seen Vulcans before and we know that Spock, even though he's half Vulcan, he has human equivalent vocal cord. And you're like, okay, so this is, this is probably like, is it just because whatever language they speak, you know, English or whatever it is, I don't know if it's how they've explained it in the Star Trek universe, but like, it could be something like, ah, here's a sound that the human body can produce, but because this language doesn't utilize it, it's very hard for you, a natural speaker of this language, to then go back and make this sound, much like English speakers have a hard time pronouncing certain Japanese letters, because yes, it's a sound that the human body can produce, it's just one that we don't use in our language, so it's real, real fucking hard for us to figure out how to do it again, because you're like, I've had zero practice with this sound, thanks. Is it that kind of situation? Because, like, you can overcome that with practice. <laughs> you really can. I, it's interesting, when you do speak, see Vulcans speaking Vulcan amongst each other, and it doesn't really happen until the movies that they do it, It's they kind of cheat on it because they just have the actors saying the English dialogue and, uh, and then they inject noise, like same dialogue, same voice, but something that would syllable wise still match their lip movements. Oh, huh. Interesting. So it still sounds vaguely English, but it has an otherworldly quality to it. Hmm. So that may be why pronouncing it correctly is beyond human capabilities. Cause but it, yes, cause they all have auto-tune behind them going at all times. Oh, sure. uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. S apostrophe, and this is in, of course, Roman numerals. Uh, Vul Vulcan writing is quite different. Roman uh, numerals? Roman literals. Letter letter. Roman literals. I got you. I got you. Roman literals <laughs> with the Tiki Talks and the YouTubes. Uh, <laughs> first name S apostrophe C H N. Middle name, T apostrophe G-A-I, and then Spock as we know it. Just say it out loud for us, Spock, and, like, we'll practice it a couple of times. You'll have to correct us or whatever, but, like, have some faith in your crew members. A lot of them like you, you know? Just try. I'm trying to pronounce your name. Just just tell me how to pronounce your name. That's all I'm asking for. I want to get it right. <laughs> he was talking to the girl, though, at that point, right? So, yeah. like, maybe he was pretty much just like, I don't have time to teach you because I'm not going to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to, you know, love you and leave you, so you need to get out of my apartment. Because <laughs> <laughs> we already know that Spock on Spores is a little bit sexist because he has 
whole comment about like, sure. what is it with you females never answering a direct question? It, like, oh it, it's not that humans can't pronounce it. He thinks women can't pronounce it. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, that that was that was present in the episode. <laughs> yep. That's not a lot of subtext I had to dig for. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Come on, Spock. You're, you're, you're ruining it. Yep. <laughs> you had a better character. Up until now, you had a good character. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he was too much like Kirk, and then he started to pick up some of Kirk's yeah. better qualities. That, that Kirk's <laughs> a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like Spock's because he doesn't know who he is with emotion. He was like, oh, I'll just emulate yeah. a role model, someone, a, a man with tons of emotion, my captain, and I'll just act like him. So raging misogynistic dick. Got it. Perfect. I can nail this in one. (laughs) Uhura doesn't get much to do in this episode. However, Kirk does the log after everybody's gone and Mm. notes that Uhura locked up the communication console completely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) "Ah, Because even on Spore, she's the most capable one on the ship. (laughs) I don't know how to work the phones, but Uhura (laughs) knows the phones. I do appreciate that she's just like, oh yes, I want spores and I'm going to be on the colony with everybody else and all of my spore friends and better make sure that Kirk can't call for help. So I'm just going to turn this key. Whoop. Okay. Phone calls over. Yeah. Okay. Bye everybody. Uhura could do everyone else's job on the ship, but they can't do hers. Mm-mm. And that cracks me. Uh, she just turns the key and she takes those keys with her. She takes them home. <laughs> can't access this okay you first of all you're gonna fuck it up because nobody knows how to do this except for me and the one time that we had somebody else try to do it they fucked it up this is why i'm in charge we are running a little tight on time does anybody else have anything on this side of paradise or layla you got me on my knees (laughs) (laughs) my alternate title was fight the flowers flower power finally sex pollen (laughs) <laughs> freeze-dried ejaculate <laughs> I like that one we should keep that one Although there was a moment where Kirk tells Spock to form a landing party of five and I'm like oh is this about to take some sort of like 90s dramatic turn well unless anybody else has anything else going once going twice dragons are real alright <laughs> Next time, your away team will very nearly conclude our mar- march through the first season of the original series with The Devil in the Dark and Errand of Mercy, two very iconic episodes of the show. It'll be the first time we meet Klingons in Errand of Mercy, so we oh. will, f- uh, yeah, we'll finally see our most regular bad guys for this era. Are they still referred to as Klingons? I, I think this? they do say okay. Klingons originally. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they go for an uh or an Klingons. uh actually noise in the uh o oh on that word. But until then, I think that's that's it from us. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>